Hi, and welcome to Faith in Family Law, the podcast about family law issues which are important to you. As ever, I'm your host, Sadiq Patel, family law partner at Gunner Cook LLP. And that's right, you've guessed it, I specialise in family law, with a particular niche in Islamic family law. I help people who are going through what is likely to be, and what is statistically proven to be, the second most stressful thing a person can ever go through in their lives after the death of a loved one, which is separation and divorce. As well as specialising in all the legal and financial issues arising out of divorce and separation, I also advise on all issues relating to contact with children, international divorce, and of course, Islamic family law. Welcome to today's podcast, which is called Talaq, Khula, Fusk and Tafweev, The Different Methods of Islamic Separation, Part 1. Now, I've done these podcasts as a series in relation to this very sometimes complex and highly debated issue of the different methods of Islamic separation. The entire podcast is going to cover pretty comprehensively the different methods of Islamic separation. And for that reason, I've split the whole thing into three episodes. And obviously, this is episode one, part one. Now, a lot of my Muslim clients tell me about how they've separated from an Islamic point of view. It's the view amongst Muslims all over the world that when they marry, they should first marry in the eyes of God, or as Muslims refer to God as Allah. And if there is a separate civil registry to be performed, a registry ceremony, then that can be done at a later date. This is sometimes put off indefinitely as the couple are quite often of the view that they have performed the main ceremony, which is the Islamic Nikah ceremony. And obviously, we know that that isn't always the correct view because an Islamic Nikah ceremony conducted in England and Wales, which isn't done in accordance with the Marriage Act 1949, is not recognised as a valid ceremony. And more on that in later podcasts where I will address the issue of unregistered faith marriages. So going back to the topic, when Muslims separate, a similar mindset operates and they are of the view that the Islamic separation must be done as soon as possible so that they are no longer married in the eyes of God. Unfortunately, this is where the problems begin. Divorce or talaq in Islam is permissible. However, due to the cultural traditions of Muslims in the UK, a big majority hailing from the Asian subcontinent, it is still very much frowned upon. This has led to very little education within Muslims about the correct method of pronouncing talaq because it is still very much a taboo subject. And as is always the case when there is ignorance on any matter, this has led to many Islamic divorces being pronounced in an incorrect manner, which although still effective, have had devastating consequences on the separating couples and their families. Now, this is important because as you'll find out in later podcasts, the type of separation used affects various factors within the marriage, such as the scope for reconciliation and the repayment, or not, of the dowry or meher by the wife. So what are the Islamic methods of separation? Now, to keep things simple and easy to understand, I would say that there are four main methods of separation in Islam. First of all, the granting of the divorce by the husband, which is known as talaq. Secondly, the separation by way of consent between the parties, which is known as khula, K-H-U-L-A. The third method, which is the dissolution of the marriage, 
by a third party such as a Sharia court or a Sharia council. That's known as Fuskenika or Tafriq. And fourth, when the power of Talaq is transferred to the wife, known as Tafwida Talaq. Unlike English law, where neither of the parties have the power of granting divorce, and it's in the hands of the judge, Islamic law puts the power in the hands of the man or the woman, depending on the type of separation used. Furthermore, each of the above methods, or the methods that I mentioned above, is a different type of separation, which can be carried out by different parties. Now, this is a little known fact, uh, and the general incorrect consensus is that only uh, the husband can effect a separation in Islamic law. That's not necessarily correct. For example, talaq is the unilateral right of the man, and yes, can only be given by him. However, if he agrees to transfer his power of talaq, then the wife will also have the same right known as the talaq. And if any family law practitioners or anybody with experience has seen, for example, a marriage certificate uh, in accordance with the Muslim Family Ordinance 1961 uh, of Pakistan, then they will see that there is a specific um, space on the marriage certificate which provides uh, for whether or not that husband has transferred and given his right of talaq to his wife. Uh, when a husband does transfer his uh, power of talaq to the wife, tafwida talaq, he keeps his own right of divorce as well. So both husband and wife can then divorce themselves. And yes, there are certain conditions which can be attached as well. But again, we can get into that in a later podcast. In my experience, the biggest confusion is uh, within the Muslim community occurs in the mix-up between khula and fuskenika. Now, khula is when parties agree to separate by way of consent usually upon terms such as the wife agreeing to repay her mehr uh, to the husband upon him agreeing to grant talaq. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this further in another podcast, which I will uh, probably, uh, where, where I'll do a bit of a deep dive into khula, which I call the Islamic non-fault divorce. Now, as opposed to khula, fasken nikah, is the dissolution of an Islamic marriage by an Islamic court in a Muslim country or in a non-Muslim country like England and Wales or the UK, uh, uh, a Sharia council. And that's when the wife wants to proceed with the divorce, but the husband unreasonably refuses to grant the talaq. And I say unre unreasonably because the Quran is very explicit in the instruction that it gives to husbands when their wives ask for divorce and asks men and commands men, sorry, should I say, commands husbands to either retain their wives in kindness or let them go in kindness. Now, if a husband unreasonably refuses to give talaq when a wife asks for it, this refusal by the husband is contrary to the spirit of marriage and divorce as set out in the Quran. Unfortunately, the mix-up occurs when people use the term khula for everything that is not the, uh, the word talaq, which is given by the husband and when it is clearly not the case. In over 15 years of doing this job, I've even heard Islamic scholars use the terms incorrectly and interchangeably. Not only does this mean 
incorrect usage of the terms, it also means that people then have the incorrect understanding of the consequences. Because in the case of khula, the meher, the dowry, is repaid by the wife to the husband, if agreed, or at least some part of the uh, meher. But in the case of fuska nikah, any outstanding meher must be paid to the wife from the husband. So, as you can see from that, it's very important because there is a very clear distinction. Each different method of separation has its own different set of circumstances and consequences. As you, my dear listener, will <laughs> hopefully no doubt opine, there are quite a few topics here which need elucidation and explanation. Admittedly, I've glossed over each of the methods today uh, and, and uh, all the, method, the methods of separation uh, by way of summary. However, in the next few podcasts, I hope to talk about each method of separation in detail, which I hope will go some way in demystifying the common mistakes and misconceptions encountered when dealing with the different methods of Islamic separation. Not only will I talk about Fuskenika and Khula and the various procedures of each together with a brief outline of procedures used by Sharia councils in the UK, I'll also talk about the different types of Talaq the respective procedures in pronouncing them, and also the best way of pronouncing talaq, as laid down in the Qur'an, a process known as talaq ahsan It would also, I think, be interesting to mention the trends which I've encountered from the practices of clients in how they, how they deal with their Islamic divorces in this country. This ranges from people who simply have the nikah, the Islamic marriage ceremony, to people who have had both the Islamic and civil marriage ceremonies performed in the UK. What I hope this will show you are the different attitudes of Muslims in marriage and divorce and the gaping loophole currently left by the Marriage Act 1949 in not providing a legislative framework which provides for and makes all marriages of faith registered because then that would give protection at the time of divorce to everybody. So I hope this podcast has been of some benefit and answered some questions which a lot of clients, colleagues and other professionals in this field have uh, asked. If you have any questions which this podcast or any other podcast does not answer, please feel free to get in touch. You can email me at siddiq.patel at gunnacook.com, which is S-I-D-D-I-Q-U-E dot Patel at Gunnacook, G-U-N-N-E-R-C-O-O-K-E, one word, dot com. Or just search my name on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram or Google and uh, find some way to drop me a message. Be well, and I'll see you next time on the Faith in Family Law podcast. <laughs>